0: Isaiah chapter 40 verse 8 reads that the grass withers and the wildflowers fade, but the word of our God stands firm and forever. Amen. You can do me a favor this morning if you can look to your left to your right. If there's no one sitting in front of you. Look behind you and quickly give someone the sermon title this morning and say to them loudly, you have got to believe. Tag this text for the time that we are here together, you have got to believe. This morning, what we have here before us is a continuation of the resurrection story. It is for us the second Sunday of Easter. It is a continued proclamation of the good news of our forever risen King. When anyone publicly declares their heartfelt trust, faith, and acceptance in Christ, He charges us with the sole task of heading out into the world to boldly convey the message of salvation that is only found in believing that Jesus is Lord. Acts chapter 4 verse 12 declares that salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. This passage in John chapter 20 is clearly meant to encourage this generation to stop using our eyes to be the only means in which we believe. You've got to believe that what was recorded in Scripture is true and is the authoritative, infallible Word of God. You've got to believe through the reading and the preaching of the Word of God. You've got to believe even when you don't feel like believing. Anybody ever been in that boat before? No matter the cost, no matter the fear, no matter the obstacle, you have got to believe. It takes an enormous amount of faith to believe in something you cannot see with your physical eyes. Thomas will be the chosen guinea pig for this morning's application. So by a show of hands, how many of us here can testify that you have recently or in the past have experienced God in one way or another? Shouldn't see everyone turn. All right. Would we then dare to say that based on that one experience, it was just enough to continue believing in him? Or have we noticed that despite of that intense encounter, we are still looking for more to validate his existence in our lives? If so, how can it be if God was gracious enough to make himself known to us through whatever means it was, that we could then ask for another experience just to be sure it was real. How dare us? There is something about us humans that desires to continuously see something in order for us to believe it. If my wife tells me that she loves me, you love me, right? If my wife tells me that she loves me, I have to trust and believe her by her word alone. But not me. In my case, I am more of a show-me kind of guy. Sorry. (laughs) Same thing we can say about Thomas. If my wife claims to love me, I want to see it. I don't just want to hear about it, I want her to be about it. Thomas had reacted to the news of Jesus' resurrection in the same exact manner. He didn't want to hear about it. He said, I need to see it to believe it. Actions speak louder than words. Thomas has a show me attitude. He needed this news to have legs, feet, and arms. And on these extremities, he needed to see the prints of the nails and the stains of the blood. Allow me to submit to you all here that God in all his his essence does not need to do anything in order that we believe. He simply tells us to believe in him and in no other gods. To love him with all our heart, mind, and soul. Shouldn't that be enough for us to believe? Based on the simple fact of who God is and who we perceive him to be? I mean, is this how we come to faith in Christ? Christ? Do we first need a sign to accept? Show me first, then I will accept. What if the problem for us wasn't based on how many times God had made himself known? What if the problem was perception? What if we were looking at God with the wrong pair of eyes? What if instead of navigating this journey with our eyes, we use faith instead? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 describes faith as confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. What if the picture that we had painted of him was a dis- uh, dis- distortion based on our life experiences? If Something happened that made you look at God in a different way? We often conclude based on what the Bible has to say about God that his character and his attributes are holy and pure. The Bible records that our God is infinite, that he is self-existent, that he is immutable, he never changes, he is self-sufficient, He's, he needs nothing, he is omnipotent, he is all-powerful, God is omniscient, he is all-knowing, God is omnipresent, he is always everywhere, he is wise, he is full of perfect, unchanging wisdom, God is faithful, he is infinitely, unchangingly true. God is good. Can we testify to that? He is infinitely unchangingly kind and full of goodwill. Thank God for that. God is just. He is right and perfect in all that He does. Amen to that. God is merciful. He is infinitely unchangeably compassionate. Hallelujah. Thank you, sir. God is gracious. He is inclined to spare the guilty. Undeserved grace. Thank you. God is loving. He loves us because he is love. God is holy. He is infinitely and unchangingly perfect. And he is glorious. He is beautiful and he is great. If he declares to us that he will never leave us nor forsake us, are we going to believe it based on the written word or on our perception according to life's mishaps? Think about these things. How do you envision Christ this morning? Thomas, on the other hand, had an advantage that we unfortunately did not have. Thomas was a disciple. In order for anyone to claim this title, they would have had to have been with Jesus and witnessed all of his workings, miracles, and his healings. Thomas had a hand account of all that we know, all that we now reference from the Bible. It is shocking to me that although Thomas walked with Jesus, he ate with Jesus, he sat with Jesus, and he spoke with him, he heard his teachings and he saw with his very eyes that this man was indeed the Messiah. Could someone then explain to me what other proof or evidence that Thomas needed in order to believe? Has God showcased himself in our lives to the point we really don't need any proof? Is one time enough? Why do we need another one? Do we have anyone here present that could identify with Thomas? I can. I can testify that God has made himself known to me more times than I can ever deserve. There have been times in my life where I demanded to see a sign. As a child growing up, one of my favorite Christmas movies was called The Santa Claus, starring Tim (coughs) Allen. Anybody heard of that movie before? Yeah. Santa Claus. Tim Allen. I got that present for Christmas and I didn't let I never let it go. <laughs> in this movie, the deal was that whoever was to put on this suit of this man would now become the next Santa Claus. The myth in these Santa stories is that belief is what drives the existence of this character. The father wasn't one to believe in this clause. But the child, believing in sin, encouraged his dad to believe with this one statement that has stuck with me since then. If you can remember him saying this. He looked at his dad and said, believing isn't seeing. Seeing is believing. Although my faith had been built on my hearing of the word, it needed just a little bit more. I needed to see something. It required in my mind that God made himself known in a supernatural way. See, I had trouble believing, only because I had trouble seeing. I have pleaded with him in times of despair to give me a sign to know that he is present. In essence, I, too, was asking to see the wounds of our Lord and Savior. I, too, wanted to stick my finger in his nail-driven wound and slide my hand into his side. Our relationship with God is based on pure, solid faith. this moment I would like to equate Thomas to a blind man. Blindness is lacking perception, awareness, or discernment. A blind man navigates through life, not with his eyes, but by what is called a white cane. He's literally taking a leap of faith each and every day. He he or she steps foot onto the outside world. This cane probes for and locates obstacles in the path of travel. A probe is an instrument used for exploration. It would make it very difficult for a blind person to maneuver in life without this instrument. Thomas was attempting to navigate through life using the wrong probing tool. Instead of using his faith as a probe, he was using his eyes, failing to realize that they were of no use to him. Thomas, without faith, And the blind man without his cane are now forced to search things out only by touch. You ever see a blind man without his cane? You ever been blindfolded and been told to walk without sight? You ever picture that? I know we've seen it before. What does that look like? With your eyes closed and you're probing with your hands because you can't see anymore. And that's how I envision envision Thomas in this story. I envision Thomas with his eyes closed, with a blindfold over his face, probing, looking for something. Although he couldn't find it, the people were telling him in his ear that Jesus is risen, that Jesus had resurrected, that Jesus is here, that it's true, that what he said previous to his death, that it has come to light. Yet Thomas, being who he is, searching with his hands. Envisioning the cane, the white cane, the extension of the cane is able to warn of an upcoming obstacle. It prevents the blind man from bumping into whatever is in front of him, Envisions, this, avoiding any danger. Because of this probe, this white stick, this extended white cane, he is able to navigate around the object And preventing any injury. The same thing can be said about faith and belief in Jesus. The more our belief in Christ extends, the better we will be able to avoid life's obstacles. Are you following me? Even if this instrument were to have have taken a blow, or would have to break, or misplace, the help of a fellow neighbor knowing well the surroundings could also help the blind function I'm sure you've all seen that too a blind person without his cane what is it that he has to navigate through life a friend a neighbor somebody who knows the surroundings somebody that they can trust and say listen you need to step up because the curb's coming Trusting <clears throat> him rather than just guiding him through life and allowing him to trip himself on curbs what kind of friend would that be not a friend that I would like to have I to lose my vision today. I would would want everyone in this room. I would like to feel everyone's hands on my body guiding me throughout these doors. Telling me at once watch your step, watch the door, jump, or duck, shift left, shift right. Faith in the hands of Thomas can now see what he wasn't able to notice before. Faith and belief are the lenses of our lives. Even though his belief in Christ had taken a blow, the cane, now broken, due to the traumatic death of his master and teacher, the disciples in verses 19 to 24 were able to witness to him what they had seen. Thomas's cane had broken. In essence, Thomas's faith, his belief, had been broken. The traumatic experience that they all went through because of what Jesus went through for them caused them to go into hiding. They were in the upper room congregating together behind yeah. locked doors in fear of the Jewish teachers, in fear of persecution. What did they choose to do? They chose to congregate. They chose to meet with one another. Because what any good master teacher does, he prays for them as he did in John 17. He prayed for his disciples and he prayed to God that they would be well taken care of, that they would love one another, and that they would continue congregating. And that is what we see. We see a community, a body of believers continuing in the faith. Who didn't we see there? Thomas. Thomas did what we shouldn't do. What Thomas did was react to a traumatic experience. On the contrary, we should be running to the church, should be running to your neighbors, should be running to pick up the phone, shoot a text or an email saying, listen here, brother, sister, I'm going through some things. I need your help. What happened with Thomas is he did the opposite. He ran. He embraced his despair. And he wallowed in his his suffering. And that's what happens when we isolate ourselves. From people, from the church, from God's presence, from His word, we get distorted, and our belief begins to sink. Verses nineteen to twenty-four: Jesus had blown onto the disciples the Holy Spirit. He was equipping them with the fire and energy to take the message not only to their fallen comrade, but also to the entire world. In spite of Thomas's disbelief. Jesus was still lovingly able to meet Thomas the exact point of his heed by showing him his wounds, repeating to him exact his exact demand, and then guiding him back to faith. Are any of us walking in blind faith this morning? Has our belief in Christ taken a blow, we as a body and a family are called to encourage one another in times of doubt and disbelief. Faith and belief is strengthened within the body of Christ. I want us to check our doubts and disbelief at the door on our way out, and instead embrace embrace faith. Have you lost your probing instrument? Allow one of us to grab you by the arm and help you navigate through this faith journey. Will you be encouraged to believe by faith and not by sight? Do you believe only because you see? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. May God bless his holy word.